0: Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a (laughs) quilt. I don't know what I am apparently today. Let me try that again. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter. And welcome to episode 57, in which we declutter. And I am recording this on Thursday, August 4th, 2011. You just heard me turn my head to look at the calendar because I actually have no clue what the date is today. Um, I've actually been working on this episode for several weeks, so um, (laughs) I'm really hoping it actually makes sense. Uh, I'm going to start out a little bit with just some of my normal kind of uh, background stuff, but I'm not going to give a lot of Sandy update um, and probably not going to take a lot of time on listener comments this time either, because I think the content of my episode is probably going to take a long enough time. Uh, first, I do want to say thank you so much to listeners, both new and old. Some of you have been around since just about the beginning, and some of you I'm um, hearing are new to our our community, our family here at Quilting for the Rest of Us, <laughs> if I can call it that. Um, I just want to say thank you so much to joining us and do become part of the conversation because normally, this episode notwithstanding, I do spend a lot of time talking back to my listeners. I like that. Um, I also want to say thank you. I did notice there's been a couple new reviews on iTunes of the podcast this summer. Thank you so much. I do enjoy reading your um, your reviews. Um, so on my behalf, on behalf of all the other podcasters out there, thank you so much for leaving reviews. They're really useful and we appreciate the time you take to do that. Now, I've been telling you on and off this summer that um, yes, I'm about to kind of quasi emptiness. This is not the permanent emptiness. This is the first, if there is ever a permanent empty nest, <laughs> that could probably be the uh, topic of another podcast episode. I know me and my sisters all kind of tended to keep moving back in with our parents at various times in our lives. So, you know, perhaps the whole empty nest thing is becoming the great American myth. Uh, but that being said, um, I'm about to enter on that kind of first big step towards possible future empty nesting, sending my younger daughter off to um college this fall. I have a son who's been in college for a couple of years now. He's starting his third year, and my daughter is starting her first year. And I won't have any kids at home after that. Um plus so you've heard me mention my nephew on previous episodes. He Uh, has lived with us periodically on and off over the last three and a half, four years, because our house is a whole lot closer to his college that he just graduated from and his job that he now has than his mother's house is. He does have an apartment, but as a lot of times are the case, you know, there's some issues with the apartment and with the roommates (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, sometimes he just moves back in with us to get a break. And especially over the summer when my kids are home, He likes to hang out with us because he likes to hang out with my kids. Um, They call him the Brozen. He's a brother slash cousin. (laughs) So they're they're creating new family titles um, over the time. But in any case, he's been living with us this summer, and he will also probably be moving out about the same time. So I keep joking that um, my daughter moves out August 21st, my son moves out August 27th, and I suspect my nephew will move out at the same time. So August 28th is going to be very, very quiet in my house. So, it, you know, that has all brought up some of that empty nest stuff. And to tell the truth, I'm not, I am going, definitely going through an empty nest thing. Um, but it's not a particularly sad thing. There's a little bit of nostalgia, you know, for my cute little kids when they were cute. Now they're old and not so cute anymore. I haven't gotten a decent picture out of either of them for the longest time. But, um, you know, I really thoroughly enjoy my kids as adults. Um, or almost adults. I've really been enjoying watching them grow up. So for as, you know, the periodic kind of memory thing that may happen, more it's a sense of anticipation of what's coming next. So I've really been kind of enjoying watching my kids get ready for my son's moving into his first apartment, my daughter, you know, going off to school and and hearing kind of their excitement about how they feel their lives will be different through this. So that's been pretty cool. But I have been thinking a lot this summer about um, how I want my life to feel different this year. You know, somehow it feels like it should feel different. And sure, I could just go on living my same life exactly the same way, just without kids underfoot. Um, That would work. (laughs) and It would certainly bring with it some natural changes. But I tend to be a very intentional sort of person. And I tend to be kind of an introspective kind of person. And I do also tend to be a... um, person that's very aware of things like life life transitions, etc. Probably a lot of that is because I am in the ministry, so we kind of deal with those a lot in our lives. But I like to take that approach myself. I don't like to, like to let life just sort of pass me by. I like to approach it proactively whenever I can. So this summer, I've been going through a lot of um, mental processes to look towards what's going to feel different this fall when I'm empty nesting. And I realized as I was doing this that I kept kind of referring to my process as sorting through the clutter. Uh, In other words, I had a whole lot of different thoughts cluttering up my brain, and I really had to kind of sort through those thoughts in a lot of the same way as I would sort out a closet or sort out my fabric stash, actually. So in this episode... What I'm going to do, I decided to share some of that with you, and I'm going to address decluttering. And what we're going to do is we're going to start with decluttering our stashes, and then we're going to make the leap from that to what that tells us in terms of decluttering our lives in general. (laughs) So this is, I guess, a fairly ambitious episode. Um, We're just going to change your lives in 45 minutes or less. (laughs) So strap on and get ready for the ride let's start out with decluttering your stash and i want to start out with a little bit of a disclaimer um first of all yeah i might tick some of you off i can tell you that right now people don't like thinking about the size of their stash for some reason people can get very defensive about this and there's a lot of things that i'm gonna say in this episode that people might disagree with and you know i'm okay with that um I'm okay with people disagreeing with me. I'm kind of used to it. Again, I've mentioned before, I'm in the ministry. Lots of people (laughs) disagree with with things in the ministry. So I'm, I'm, I'm very comfortable with that. I don't mind people disagreeing with me. Just be nice to me when you do it. But stop and think. And this is something I've really had to teach myself to do. If I disagree with something, I try to make myself, rather than just react, I try to make myself stop and think, well, why do I disagree? Why did that tweak me? What is, you know, what is it in me that's reacting to that? So if you do find something, you know, if you do find yourself disagreeing with something, just kind of stop and think a little bit, hit the pause button <laughs> if you need to, or, um you know, listen to the rest of the episode because maybe later on I'll come back to something that'll help you understand what I was trying to say a little better or whatever. Um, but do think about what are you disagreeing with and why. On the other hand, you may not disagree with anything, in which case we'll just be happy and keep going. Uh, The first thing I did when I was um, starting to work on this episode is I did a quick Google with the words controlling your fabric stash. And what was really, really interesting to me is that I came up with all sorts of results, results about storing and about organizing your stash and about building your stash, but really absolutely nothing about paring it down other than the occasional stash busting challenge. And I know there's a whole Yahoo group, you know, stash busters and all that. There's a lot of people that talk about stash busting. So there seems to be a recognition that we can actually end up with too much fabric. But I found very little out there about really what to do about it or or about how to stop yourself from doing it in the first place. In fact, the opposite happens. We're actually encouraged to save every last scrap of fabric, regardless of how small it is. So even as you're talking about stash busting, you're not talking about actually getting rid of fabric. You're talking about having to find a different kind of place, a different kind of storage for all those little bitty crumbs and salvages and all that other kind of stuff. And this is a place where you might disagree with me. You might be the type of person that loves doing that. I've had to make some decisions about exactly how much space I'm giving up for stuff. And I'll talk a little more about space issues later. But, you know, one of the things I try to be somewhat judicious about, or I shouldn't say judicious, I'll say realistic. The, the thing I try to be realistic about is, what am I actually going to use? You know, I may have all these hopes and dreams. I may have these things that I think, you know, I really should be doing with, but the reality is I'm probably not. So I need to be kind of constantly on top of myself in terms of realistically, what is it worth for me to save? And before you panic about me throwing out fabric again, we'll deal more with that later and about how I approach that issue. So again, you know, when we quilters get together, we talk a lot about organizing our stash. We do talk about, you know, stash busting, challenges, etc. But we don't actually approach the issue of why do we have such a big stash in the first place. So that's kind of some of what I'm going to try to get at in this episode. In my research, again, after I googled controlling your fabric stash, I came across a really, to me, a very sad blog entry One person, this was a while ago, I'm trying to, let's see, I think the blog was myspinningplates.com, and one of her blog entries, I think it was an old one, was about purging the fabric stash that she had because she'd given up quilting altogether, which was a part of her, quote, journey toward a more organized house, unquote. So basically, she stopped quilting so that she would have to get rid of her fabric stash so that her house could be more organized. You know, to me, obviously, that means quilting must not have been that big a part of her life anyway. I can't imagine me just saying, okay, I don't want to give up the space for fabric anymore. I'm done. <laughs> I'm not quilt making. You know, rather, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how can I balance quilt making with the needs of everybody else in my house. So, you know, that's something to think about. I did also come across one website called Our Fabric Stash, which was a fabric recycle community, has a periodic purge party consignment sale. But they're in-person sales. They don't do anything through the website. So that might be something you might want to look at as an example if you and your buddies want to get together and do a purge party consignment sale of some sort. So check out our Fabric Stash website. And I didn't write down a... I'm sorry, I didn't write down the URL for that. So just Google our Fabric Stash and you'll probably find it. Um, More recently listener Jan has talked about she's in the middle of kind of purging and reorganizing her sewing room and her last couple of blog entries show before and after pictures which Jan by the way are very very impressive. So um, I was knowing that I was working on this episode I was reading those entries with particular interest um, and her blog is quiltingrevolution.blogspot.com And of course, as always, I will post links on the show notes to my episodes. So if you want to see somebody else's before and after to give you inspiration and ideas, I would suggest you check that out as well. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, how do you know whether the size of your fabric actually works for you? In other words, when is enough enough? Now, some people have more space. And also some people have more of a tolerance for a stash than others. And some people, you know, professional quilters who are working at this all day long may have obviously are using more fabric on a daily basis than somebody who can only get to their sewing machine once a month. There's far too many variables. I cannot tell you how many yards of fabric a quilter should have in order to warrant a decent and reasonable size stash. I can't give you that. My mother's stash was huge compared to mine but she had an entire basement and she was at you know in later years of her life she was retired so she was using it a lot faster. I would have felt overwhelmed with that amount of fabric so you know a lot of this is you just have to decide for yourself when is enough enough. Before we get into some questions I'm going to give you to help you assess that though I want to talk a little bit about having a stash in the first place. Um, You'll see this come up on a lot of Uh, blogs, and I've heard it, you know, other podcasters have talked about this. Should you have a stash or should you not? Some say you should just buy for the project. You know, it's cheaper that way, then you don't have to give up storage space, etc. Other people say, oh, you should definitely build a stash, you know, and here's ways to go about doing it. When I first started out, I did have very, very little space in our old house. I had a little bitty corner (laughs) that I was trying to use and my fabric had to live on a little bitty shelf in the basement. And so I only bought for the project. At that point, I wasn't quilting very frequently and I didn't have the space for it. So I just bought for the project, which is fantastic for keeping your purchases is limited. But that meant I couldn't do any spur the moment projects or last-minute projects. And even further, I couldn't really even allow the fabric itself to inspire a project. And those are all things that happen regularly in a quilt maker's life. Once you've been quilting for a while, you see a piece of fabric and all of a sudden you get a full-blown quilt kind of in your head, <laughs> or at least you start getting some ideas for it. Those are all things that you should be free to allow yourself to do. So Personally, I myself am an advocate for having a stash, but I'm also an advocate for having a smart stash. Now, I've already done an episode on that way, way, way back. I did have to go look it up because I knew I'd done the episode. Couldn't remember when it was. It was actually episode four. It was one of my very first episodes. So I'm not really going to go into building a smart stash again here. Um, Go back and listen to that one and then do a little research to, you know, get other people's opinions as well about what constitutes a smart stash because there are stashes that can be huge and not particularly usable. There are other stashes that can be quite small, but can lend themselves very, very easily to making quilts, to doing those last minute projects. So that's where I'm an advocate for having a stash, but I would prefer it to be a smart stash. Um, So, you know, and at this point in my life, I'm actually pretty happy with the size of my stash. I'm looking at it right now as I'm recording. Um, I have shelves that are designated for my stash, there are a certain size when I start, you know, feeling like those shelves are feeling a little overly full, I stop buying and I use up some fabric and then I say, okay, you know, I've given myself some space, I can start uh, using it again. I am tending to more often start with my stash. When I'm thinking of a new project, I, I'm more often going to my stash first to see what I can do and then add in from shopping. So, all of those things mean that at this point, I have gotten my stash to be what feels to me like a mostly smart stash. Um, you know, obviously there's still gaps in it. There's still I probably have a few too many medium tone prints. That's the, you know, that's the thing we all tend to buy the most. Um, but I've been very intentional over the last couple of years about how I'm building my stash, and now it's a much, much more usable stash. But it's not a particularly large one. So that's where you need to kind of look at what are you comfortable with? So to get to that, when is enough enough? And probably the, the the more pertinent question is, when is your stash too big? So here's some questions that I would have you ask yourself about your stash. And if you can answer, you know, depending on how you answer these questions, you may decide, you know what, my stash is really too big, Or you might decide, actually, I'm pretty happy with the size of my stash. I'm good. Let's move on. (laughs) Or you may say, you know, actually, I wouldn't mind my stash being a little bit bigger. I want to add to it. And if that's the case, then I'd suggest you go back and listen to my episode four to help you understand maybe how you want to build your stash. So anyway, here's your questions um, to try to assess whether or not your stash might be too big. First question, can you easily remember or see or access all your fabrics. I'm not talking about any of my listeners here. These are, I'm just now referring to stories I have heard or seen on blogs or seen in other message boards or forums or whatever. Um, I know that there are quilt makers who have fabric stacked in opaque plastic tubs in their garages or attics. I have always wondered, how do you then know to use it? How do you know what you have? A lot of people, that's all the only option you've got. I'm not saying don't do that. But I'm saying when you're trying to assess your stash, can you easily remember see or access all your fabrics? If you can't, you may want to look at that. You know, how how do you catalog your fabrics in that case so you'll know what you've got and you'll be able to actually use it? Second question, for when is enough enough or when might your stash be getting too big? Has your stash negatively impacted space available for the rest of your family or whomever else you are sharing? a living residence with. Are you taking over closets, shelves, parts of garages, or attics that others would really like to be able to use for other things? So this is kind of part of that space negotiation with your family. Now, you know, I again I'm not in the I'm refusing, in fact, as my kids move out, I've had people say to me, Oh now you can use their shelves for your stash. I'm personally I'm refusing to do that at this stage in my life because again I'm happy with the size of my stash It's one that I know I can readily access and use easily for the amount of quilt making I'm doing now. Um, You know, when I get older, if I'm retired, if I've got more time on my hands and I'm using fabric more quickly, who knows? I'm not making myself any promises. I'm just saying right now, that's not what I'm gonna do. But if you're finding yourself taking over space that is fighting with other family needs, then (laughs) maybe you need to address, do you actually need all of that fabric? Next question, actually the last question, the third question. So when is enough enough or when is your stash too big? Does your stash make you feel guilty or does it feel overwhelming? Um, Some, you know, kind of corollary questions to this. Do you find yourself hiding fabric from family members? Or are you downplaying the amount of your purchases with friends? You know, if you go to a quilt shop and you buy a bunch of fabric, do you find yourself only telling friends, oh, well, I bought a piece or two. Not, yeah, I bought 15 yards. <laughs> you know, those are things that are kind of triggers that say to you somehow you don't feel right about what you're actually buying. Now, there could be a lot of reasons why you don't feel right. Not all of them are legitimate. Remember, we're quilters. We absolutely do need fabric. And there is absolutely nothing shameful about buying pretty, pretty fabric. You know, there's no reason to feel guilty in general terms about buying fabric. We need it. We use it. We love it. That's okay. But if you are buying so much fabric, and more importantly, if you're not using it, if it's sitting on your shelf for 10 years, then maybe you need to examine that. Um, Plus, just because we have plenty of space for a big stash doesn't mean we actually need to fill that space. You know, I've mentioned my mom and her basement and her huge stash, and she was still very actively buying fabric. I mean, when I inherited fabric from her, a lot of it was brand spanking new fabric that I had been looking at in catalogs myself. I, You know, my mom loved her stash. She used it regularly. For me, I walked into that and it just looked overwhelming to me. I honestly felt like I had lead on my shoulders looking at that stash and trying to think about trying to go through it, you know, I was pretty limited in what I took. And even when I took, I doubled the size of my stash, um, personal stash. Now half of my fabric was my mother's. But even now there's times, you know, I've said a couple of times, I'm very happy with the size of my fa- my stash. But once in a while, I'll look at those shelves and I'll see some of those fabrics that I loved when I bought them or I loved when I took off mom's, you know, shelf and I haven't used them yet. And there's that little twinge of guilt saying, what am I doing buying more fabric when I've got this other fabric that I haven't used yet. And I try to listen to myself when I get that feeling. Then I try to make sure my next fabric or my next project is completely out of my stash or my next fabric uses that fabric from my or my next project, sorry, uses that fabric from my stash that, you know, caught my eye the last time and I really wanted to use. You know, it's that's again, you just have to be able to listen to yourself. What is triggering it in yourself? And not everybody's going to get triggered by the same thing. Again, just the act of buying fabric should not be something you feel guilty about. It's a matter of what are your limits. And if you are feeling guilty, you need to listen to that and say, well, why am I feeling guilty? Am I feeling guilty because I'm not accustomed to spending money on myself? Well, that's one issue. And that's something you need to deal with because, again, we're quilters. We need fabric. It's okay to spend money on yourself when you're buying fabric for a quilt. But if you're buying, you know, if you're routinely going out and buying 30, 40 yards at a time and you're trying, you're tearing your hair out trying to find storage space for this and you haven't used a lot of it yet then you may also need to to listen to that as well. You know a lot of us are unable to resist when we're faced with pretty fabric Uh, and eventually it's just a natural turn of events that you might discover your stash is bigger than you're comfortable with. You know I'd already mentioned this that there were, just a few months ago, I did look at my stash. I felt a little bit of a pang of guilt about some of the fabrics that had been on there for a while that still, every time I looked for looked at them, I thought, oh, those are really cute. You know, I really should use them. Well, I finally said to myself, I've got to stop saying that. I've got to stop saying I really should use them and either fish or cut bait. You know, <laughs> i got to use them or I've just got to send them off to somebody else. So that particular group of fabrics that was making me think that at that point is now in a project hanging on my design wall. Um, once I made the decision to use that particular um, set of fabrics, then I felt more able to say, okay, you know, now I've used some fabric that I've had for a long time. I really loved it. It's in this great project now. You know, now I'm, I'm feeling less guilty and I can, now I've since gone out and bought new fabric again. <laughs> so you just have to know what your limits are. Why do we buy so much fabric? This was something, you know, I, yeah, fabric's pretty and yeah, as a quilter we can rationalize with the best of them why we have to have that particular fabric. But Part of my mental processes this summer of looking towards being an empty nester um, and knowing that I was dealing with some mental clutter and I was having problems kind of sorting through what I wanted to do to make my life feel different. I bought a book by Peter Walsh. Now, uh, Peter Walsh, some of you might know him. I guess he's been on Oprah recently. I don't watch Oprah, so I'm not as sure on that. Um, Where I was first introduced to Peter Walsh was watching the TV show Clean Sweep, which I used to love, and it just distresses me that it's not on anymore. Um, Clean Sweep was on HDTV, I think, or Learning Channel, as, you know, it's an organizational show, and Peter Walsh was one of the organizers they would have on that. Well, he has since gone on to write some books. And the book I read, and this is the only book by him I've ever read, and I thought, well, you know, I, I enjoyed this enough, I might go back and read some of the other ones. So the book I read this summer is called... Enough Already, Clearing Mental Clutter to Become the Best You. And this whole book is about mental clutter. Um, And he makes the relationship between physical clutter in your house, because that's what he deals with, he is an organizer, um, to what that says about our mental states and our physical states and our spiritual states and everything. It's, you know, kind of some interesting connections. What he talks about in terms of, you know, why do we buy so much? He says, quote, we invest in what I call the promise. We buy all that stuff from light, late night infomercials, but we're really investing in the idea that somehow our lives will be better and our homes will be happier. It just doesn't work like that. And, you know, when I read that paragraph, the very first thing that came to my mind was fabric. And I realized fabric itself is really a promise. We see a piece of fabric and we immediately see its possibilities. But you know what? Beyond just the possibility of what quilt it could be in, we're actually we what we're buying into is the idea of beauty, the idea of creativity, the idea of time spent by ourselves or time spent with quilty friends. It really, when we take that bolt of fabric up to the cutting table in the shop, we're buying an entire life story. <laughs> you know, we're not just buying. A piece of fabric. We're buying an entire experience around that piece of fabric. And again, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, if you follow my blog, you know I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I am all for a nice shop hop and I post pics of my recent purchases and I like seeing what other people have bought. You know, we, we do that as quilters. But it's just about having limits. So if we have so much fabric that we could never use it in our lifetimes, then we may have an issue. If you want to keep buying fabric, you really need to decide what you're going to do with the fabric that you already have. So let's talk about now. Let's pretend you're going to your fabric stash and you're saying, you know, you're right. I need to pare down a little bit. I've got fabric. I don't even remember where it is. It's been stashed in the back of a closet or it's in that black plastic tub in the garage. You know, how do we go about making decisions about what we're going to keep and what we might send off to another home. And I'll talk about that in a little bit, too. First, let's talk about the decisions. I found some information. Again, I'm a big fan of decluttering shows. I watch them a lot on TV. I watch them in reruns. I'll read the books. Um, I really, I, I I, like, I guess, kind of being an organized person already. I sort of like the idea of being even more intensely organized. <laughs> Maybe I'm an A-type. I don't know. But um, I've, I've done a lot of looking into what is it You know, how do we make good decisions about what we keep and what we give away? And here's some of the the things that I found um, on one website, and I don't, I did not write down what website I found this on, but there's four basic reasons that we hang on to things that maybe we don't necessarily need to hang on to. So here's the first reason, not wanting to waste it. In other words, we spent money on this and therefore we must use it, even if that money was spent in 1983 and it's still on our shelves today, unused. <laughs> you know, so the first thing, people don't want to get rid of something because they don't want to waste it. They want to waste the money that they spent on it. And we can think exactly the same thing about fabric. Well, I, you know, I bought that fabric 20 years ago. That was expensive. <laughs> I don't want to get rid of it. Here's a different way to look at it. One of the organizers, I believe it was on Mission Organization, which was another great show that used to be on that's not on anymore. Um, One of the organizers said, you have to look at space as real estate. How much real estate is such and such an object taking up that you could be using for something else? And for whatever reason, that phrase just really clicked with me at the time. Back when I was watching those shows a lot, I lived in a less than organized house. It was a different house. It was a small house. It didn't have great storage. My kids were little and all their toys were big. (laughs) Those of you who have little kids, you will find over the years that there's an inverse proportion between the age of your kids and the size of their toys, Kids little, toys big. Kids big, toys little. And a lot more expensive, but easier to store. <laughs> so that's that's a parenting tip of the day. But in any case, when when my kids were little and we lived in this tiny house and we had really bad storage, there weren't shelves really to speak of. The closets were small. Our house was a perpetual wreck, so organizing for me was a bigger issue then. And I do remember this comment about space as real estate. And when you think about it as real estate, you tend to put a value to it. It has a money value to it in a way that just thinking about it as shelf space doesn't have. So if you think about it as real estate, real estate, you look at okay, what I've got on my shelves today, I may say I spent money on that in 1983, but it's taking up space that maybe there's something in 2011 I would really rather have. So look at the space that your fabric is taking up as real estate. And is there real estate that you would rather have open for something else, even if it's new fabric, new trends, new styles. So that's the first question to um, ask yourself. You know, it's, again, fabric is expensive. We tend to think of, we need to use up every last scrap of fabric, even if now those scraps are taking up almost as much real estate as my yardage. Um, Again, I'm not taking a pot shot at scrap quilters. I would like to do more scrap quilting myself. I just try to be very realistic about what I'm actually probably going to do. And so I keep scraps in two bins and two bins only. When those bins start getting overstuffed, I take them out and I donate them to my friend Charlotte and (laughs) I let her figure out how much real estate she wants to give up to stuff. I don't care. She may donate it on, she may throw it out, but at least I've given it to somebody I know who might use it. And the other thing I do is at the end of a year, um, I will go through those bins. And if there's stuff that's been in there a year and I haven't touched it, it's out. You know, that's kind of the limits I have set myself. You may have different limits. But for me, it's just a matter of being aware of my limits and my reality. Okay, the second thing. So the first one is that you have to think through is not wanting to be wasteful. The second one is fear of losing something important. We all know when we think of, as soon as I throw that out, I just know I'm going to need it. (laughs) You know, so as soon as I get rid of that piece of fabric, I just know it'll suddenly turn out to be the perfect fabric that I could have used in my next project. Mind you, it's not been the perfect fabric for five years so far, but I'm sure it will be as soon as it's no longer in my house. You know, that's exactly the thinking we go through. Um, I've done it myself. I've got fabric on my shelf now that I keep looking at. I keep thinking, well, maybe I should donate it. It's been there for a while. And every time I think, no, I'm just not quite ready to do that. You know, it's just if you haven't used it in X number of years, you really have to think how likely is it that you'll use it in the next X number of years. I also think there is no such thing as the one perfect fabric. There are always several options in fabric. So if that one piece is no longer on your shelf, I can pretty much guarantee you that you'll find another one just as good. So that's just another thing to think through as you're looking at your fabric stash. The third one is the emotional meaning of things. And, you know, this is, we attach emotional meanings to objects. And sometimes those objects can be kind of strange, I will admit. I remember when I was in my late 20s, my mom had come to me. Now, I'd been married. I was out of the house for a few years. She came to me and she said, the very typical mom, you know, could you... Please finally get this stuff out of my house for Pete's sake. So I was going through some of these boxes of childhood stuff, and I found notes that I'd passed to friends and classes. I couldn't even remember what they were about. You know, they were the kind of notes that were like three sentences scribbled back and forth. Didn't remember what they were about. There was this little piece of masking tape that one of the big crushes that I had had at the time for years, actually. Um, had thrown at me in art class one day. And you dang well better know I had taken that little piece of masking tape home that day and stuck it in my little keepsake box. There was such a variety of tchotchke (laughs) from my childhood that had been so important to me at one time And I kept telling myself, now looking at it as an adult in my 20s and not even knowing what some of it pertained to, I kept saying, oh, I should be able to just chuck this all. But it was remarkably hard to do so. Now, I did, finally. I think I went through the notes and I kept one or two that really did have some significance to me. And the rest I finally got rid of. And a week later, I didn't remember any of it. All of that junk, however, symbolized to me my childhood or it reminded me of friends, or particularly fond memories. It was hard to get rid of. And you know what? Fabric really is no different. A lot of fabric, yeah, we buy it because it's prettier, because we you know, think it'll go with our living room or whatever, but there are fabrics with emotional ties. When we were going through my mom's quilt studio, I found this whole stack of my dad's jeans. My dad had passed away a few years before. I found this whole stack of jeans that mom had set aside because she intended to make one of those denim rag quilts for her grandsons, my son and, or my nephew, that she had intended to do and she had never made them. So, of course, I took dad's jeans and I kept thinking, oh, I should really make those denim rag quilts. I know mama intended to do it. It's a cute idea. I should do it. Well, those jeans sat on my um, shelf for about a year and a half before I finally decided I am never going to get those made. It's just not going to happen. This was something that mom wanted to do. I need to not take that on. And so I did finally, I had to throw out some of the jeans because they weren't donatable, donated some of the other ones. And yeah, it gave me a little hitch. But a week later, I was like, I'm glad I did that. You know, it was like releasing myself from a burden. And mom's fabric, I was pretty good about not taking a lot. But there's still some fabric that periodically I go through my stash and I'll find some fabric I had taken from her stash and realize this really isn't to my taste. I know why I took it. But I just, I need to not have it. And so periodically, I'm still able to peel off some of the fabric I had inherited from her. Sometimes it takes longer. Um, But, you know, and I feel that little catch, but I always feel better once I've done it. There's also, this was, I think I talked about this in a previous episode, I had fabric I had bought on a vacation with my husband to Germany, and the fabric itself was not really at all to my taste, even when I bought it, but it reminded me of that trip. It looked, you know, kind of traditionally German. Um, I had it on my shelf for the longest time, because I kept thinking, I don't want a wall hanging with this stuff in my house. It doesn't fit my decor. It doesn't, It's you know, nothing I could think of. So I finally um, this earlier this summer turned it into napkins and they're cute napkins and I really like them and I use them every day so that was a good way to use something from my stash um, a, another Peter Walsh I don't have a direct quote but I remember him saying this multiple times in that Clean Sweep show the memory is not the object the memory is the memory and so if you're finding yourself attaching emotional meaning to certain fabrics then you need to look at you know the memory is not actually in that fabric you will still have that memory once the fabric is gone I'm not telling you you should get rid of all fabric that you're keeping just because you've got an emotional tie to it. I'm just saying this is part of the process you need to think through. And then the fourth reason that sometimes we have difficulty getting rid of um, a certain objects is the characteristics of the objects themselves. Sometimes it really is hard to get rid of something we just honestly think is pretty. And this is probably the hardest one for quilters because, you know, we think all fabric is pretty, pretty much. But the reality is we can only use so many pretty fabrics, and just because something is pretty, it doesn't mean it has to take up real estate in your house. And besides, new fabric always being manufactured, and what can we pretty much assume? A lot of it's going to be pretty. So just because there's a pretty fabric doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be sitting on your shelves. So those are just some questions for you to think through as you're assessing your stash. And I do want to encourage you next to make an honest assessment of the size of your stash. So here's some steps I really want to suggest you take. First, do you have fabric squirreled away all over the house? If you do, pull it all out, put it in one room so that you can see just how much you actually have. You have to have that visual to really understand it. If it's in opaque tubs, pull out every dang one of those tubs, pull out every dang piece of fabric in them. Yes, I'm suggesting you make a mess. (laughs) I know some of you are just screaming at me right now or you're cringing or you're thinking, are you completely insane? Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's true. I probably am. But if you are really concerned about your stash, if you really want to take this thing seriously, that's what you got to do. You have to look at what you've got there is some benefit to actually having your hands touch every piece of fabric you own. There is absolutely no way to kid yourself about how big your stash is if you have actually touched and handled every piece of it. Plus, you may find that some fabrics really just don't even feel good to you anymore. And that might be another reason to get rid of them. Especially, I will say, you know, fabric today, a lot of the nicer fabric today just feels They call it the hand. The hand of the fabric feels much sweeter than older fabric does. It just is smooth. Even if it's 100% cotton, it feels smooth as silk. You know, it's just gorgeous stuff to touch. That's why I keep talking about petting my fabric. Um, Some older fabric, when I was going through my mom's stash and she had fabric on there from the 70s and the 80s, some of that stuff just didn't feel that good to touch. So that's another reason why I'm telling you, you got to be touchy-feely with your fabric stash (laughs) to really assess it. And don't forget while you're doing this, while you're looking at your stash, don't forget about scraps. Don't forget about other types of fabrics. You know, the fabric from your garment sewing days or upholstery fabric or fabric for curtains, all these other kinds of things you've got in your house. That all counts. That's all stash. Don't forget embellishments. Okay. I have one drawer for embellishments. It's getting pretty darn stuffed. And I'm thinking I need to go through that and figure out what embellishments am I really going to use. I, I don't actually embellish a lot, but I'm attracted to embellishments when I go to vendor booths. And so I tend to come home with things that then sit in that drawer. So this is something I've got to look at. So don't forget thinking about those when you're looking at the assessment of the size of your stash. Now, even if you do have a small stash, or if you've got a stash that you're comfortable with, you really should plan on doing a regular assessment. You know, fair warning, it does not take long for fabric to breed like bunnies. <laughs> it, it gets up to shenanigans when you turn off that light and walk out of your sewing room, and more fabric appears the next day. I don't know how it happens, but it does. So make regular assessments of your stash. And if you've not already sorted and organized your stash, This is the time to do it. Check especially to see, do you have an inordinate amount of one type of fabric over another? For example, some of us lean more towards some colors than others. So do you have, you know, three times as much orange as you do other, you know, neutrals or other colors? Maybe you don't need quite so much orange, you know. Do you have um, a type of print? Do you have a whole lot of stripes? Or do you have a whole lot of uh, big, uh, you know, dinner plate size Dahlia prints? Do you have a particular holiday print or novelty print that you've got a lot of? In other words, is your stash unbalanced? Unbalanced stashes tend to be a little less usable in a practical sense. So that's just another thing you want to assess. All right, so now we've assessed our stash. Now we have to look at what do we do about it. If you are listening to this and thinking, you know, I really do need to do something about my stash. If you're feeling a little guilty or overwhelmed, or if you've just plain run out of space, there are steps you can take. My favorite, favorite one, and I have used this on every room in my house. When we moved into the new house, I used this. I actually joked, we moved into a house twice as big as our old one, and I moved in with half the stuff. Because we purged, we seriously purged before we moved. And the method that I used I learned off of watching that clean sweep show, the one that I mentioned before with Peter Walsh. They would go in, the the shtick was they would have two rooms. They would move everything out of the room. They'd move it out into their, you know, front yard, backyard, whatever. They'd take it all out. Um, when we've done it we've kept it within the because. I don't want my neighbors seeing everything. And a lot of times up here in Western New York, we're doing it in inclement weather. So we uh, clean sweeped my daughter's room last spring. And basically I had her take everything out of the room. It all went into three piles out in the main hallway. I would pick it up off the floor, hand it to her, and make her make a decision. So here's the thing you do. You have three piles, keep, toss, or sell which is what Clean Sweep would then do is they would set up a yard sale. I hate doing yard sales, hate them with a passion, so I donate. So you keep, toss, and then sell or donate. You have these three areas. The rule is the decision has to be quick, and you touch everything just once. You don't put something aside and say, I'll think about it later. You make that quick decision. And then what do you do? Once you've touched everything that first time and you've gone through your keep, sell, and toss piles, you look at the size of the keep pile. And you decide if you've gotten rid of enough stuff yet. If you still need to downsize, you go back to that keep pile and you take a second round at it. So that's kind of the basic system. And it works like a charm. It seems overwhelming, but it really, really works. So you can do that with your fabric stash. You make your keep... um, I'm sorry, I'm not speaking now. You make your keep pile, the stuff that's going to go back on your shelves... Then, you know, toss pile. Yeah, sometimes fabric does need to be tossed, but this is only in extreme circumstances if it's somehow gotten damaged or destroyed. Um, usually what you're going to be doing is either a sell or a donate. You know, if you want to sell stuff on Etsy or if you want to set up a garage sale or if you've got a table at your guild or if you've got other ways that you can actually earn some money back off of this fabric, go for it. Absolutely wonderful, because then what can you do for the money? You can buy more fabric. Um, or donate, and there's plenty of places that will take donated fabric, plenty of them. Start by asking your guild. So you can make your keep pile, maybe a toss pile if you think you've got some fabric that might've gotten seriously damaged along the way and just is not usable anymore, and then sell or donate. Now remember, any fabric that you don't use might be exactly what someone else is looking for, and what I have found helpful, (laughs) and this is gonna sound, now you, you are gonna be convinced I'm a little bit off, What I tend to do to help me in this process is I sort of personify my fabric. Um, I think of all those little folded yardages on my shelves as little entities that really want to be used, and they kind of pout at me, and they sigh deeply with disappointment when they're not being used. <laughs> so, so I'm actually keeping them from their, you know, realizing their full potential if they're just collecting dust on my shelf. And if I don't think I can help them self actualize, I will pass them along to someone else who may, may be able to. I like to think of fabric as wanting to be used. And if I'm not the one who can actually use it, then I'm doing it a favor by moving it on to somebody else who will be able to use it. So that, you know, that's just my own odd little way to get over my own mental hurdle of not wanting to get rid of fabric. And here is, I'm going to make a statement right now that I know I'm going to get angry emails about. It is okay to throw out scraps. (laughs) And if you don't throw them out, find somebody who will actually use them. Again, I love scrap quilts. I am really impressed by Charlotte. I do want to make scrap quilts myself. I have nothing against scrap quilts. If you are not a scrap quilter, don't feel like you absolutely have to use those scraps and somehow you're letting down the whole world of quiltdom by not using them, okay? Hear what I'm saying. Is I'm not saying never make a scrap quilt. I'm saying no thyself, you know, know what you're actually going to do. And if you're not actually going to use scraps, don't give up the real estate for them, bag them up, donate them, somebody else will love to use them, um, or sew them up in a doggy bed. <laughs> that's a good way to use scraps. Um, now, the, the other thing is to try to make decisions fairly quickly, or you will get bogged down. Again, the rule on clean sweep was to touch every object only once. And, to, you know, really kind of put yourself on a, a timer. They would do it on the television show. They would set a timer for that first big sort. And I have found that really useful because it does just keep you from getting bogged down. If you know you've got that first sort to go through, you will make those first decisions pretty quickly. So don't, don't get bogged down. Don't delay decisions. So that's the clean sweep method. I find that very useful. I also um, sometimes use the one in, one out rule. Um, I will keep track of the yardage that I use. And then that's the amount of new yardage I'm allowed to buy. Um, If you actually need to, that's just to keep your stash balanced at the same size. If you actually need to decrease your stash, then you have to think of it the same way as a diet. You know, we lose weight by expending more calories than we eat. So we can only decrease our stash by using more than we buy new. So that's, again, something where you need to kind of do some counting and some math and set up some spreadsheets or whatever, if that's a method you want to use. I have found it helpful sometimes. I've also not always kept good track, you know, so that's, I use it sometimes. I'm not a a huge adherent of it. And then um, the one I do use is the space rule. Designate a certain space as your staff space and do not waver. Even if there are empty closets in other rooms in your house, do not give in to the temptation to spread out. Again, you know, I have that temptation. I do have empty closets in my house now, or mostly, you know, periodically empty closets. I could easily um, outgrow my or move out of my shelves. I am choosing not to. If my shelves that are designated for my stash getting start getting overly full, I just stop buying until I've created space for myself. And I do the same thing with books, which is actually a, a harder thing for me because I'm a huge book person. I have one set of shelves designated for my quilt library. I have another set of shelves I could easily clean off and also designate for clean for quilt books and therefore have twice the amount of space. I'm not allowing myself to do that because I know what will happen. I'll just double the amount of quilt books I have, and that's not necessarily a healthy thing. So, keep, you know, decide how much stash you're going to, or space you're going to give up, and that's it. So, how do you know what fabric to get rid of? Um, If it's a should or an ought to fabric, chances are that you should get rid of. You know, those fabrics that you think, well, I don't really like this, but I should keep it because, you know, I got it as a secret Santa gift, or I ought to keep this one. I really don't know why. I don't like it, but I suppose it'll come in handy someday. Um, Another fabric you might want to get rid of, if it's a fabric that you bought 15 yards of because it was on sale, you've already used 10 yards in 15 different projects, you're getting pretty tired of that darn floral print, but you've still got more of it, go ahead and get rid of it. You've gotten great use out of it. Somebody else may find that fabric fresh and new and exciting. Another time you might want to get rid of some fabric, if you bought all the fabric for a project for a baby who's now 15, chances are you should get rid of it or turn it into a charity quilt, but use it now or donate it. By the time that 15-year-old has a baby, you'll want the excuse to go out and buy pretty new fabrics just for that new little baby anyway. So go ahead off that fabric. You know, if you're undecided about a fabric, put a time limit on it create a space on your shelf or set up a special shelf that you call like your six-month shelf or whatever time limit you want to put on it. If you haven't used that fabric by the end of six months, get rid of it at that point. This would also be a good way for you to kind of decide if there's a fabric that you really want to make sure you remember to use and you can't tend to keep forgetting to use it, put it up at the top of your pile or put it right on your cutting table and make sure that's the next fabric you use. You know, do those kinds of things to make yourself use the fabric you already have. And again, do check for fading, check for stains that you can't get out, check for dead bugs <laughs> that are leaving, you know, little parts of their body embedded in the fibers, um, off odors, all of that kind of stuff. Some of that stuff you can deal with through a good cleaning. Other stuff, it's just, you know, if fabric is on your shelf or has not been stored as good as it could be, it might actually ruin the fabric. So you do have to check for things like that too if they've been folded on a shelf for a very, very long time. Um, I was reading when I was doing my research. I did also read uh, Leah Day, who does the um, free motion quilting um, videos. She had a great blog entry about cleaning out her grandmother's house because her grandmother had a huge stash and had passed away. Um, and Leah Day posted this whole thing about with suggestions about making a plan for your stash if you pass away. And she does also talk about filling the space and you tend to grow to your space. So that was a really good blog entry, too. Um, and I've thought about that. I've mentioned to my husband once or twice, okay, now if, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, here's what I want you to do with my quilting stuff, <laughs> you know, so that, so that he has some sense. that He knows, you know, kind of what the value of this is and he knows who I'd like to see, get first dibs on it, that kind of thing. So that's, that's also a, just kind of a sidebar. Um, now, this episode is running pretty long, but if you will bear with me another few minutes, I'm just going to very quickly go through how to relate the fabric stash to mental clutter. And basically what I'm going to do here, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. I'm going to leave you some questions for you to just kind of ponder yourself. Here's where we get deep. And again, as I was looking at being an empty nester this fall, I was really trying to decide how I was going to be using my energy and my time this next year. You know, a lot of aspects of my life are not going to change all that much, but there's just a different energy, a different rhythm to my day without having kids actually in the house. And so I really had to think through, and and this is when I realized I was feeling very cluttered. So some questions to ask yourself. These are questions I was kind of working through. Do you feel overwhelmed? Do you feel that your mental real estate needs to have space for new things? Do you have problems sorting out what your priorities need to be? Do you find that you're spending lots of time doing things that you're not sure you really need to be doing and not having time to do things that you really want to do? Or, to flip that and look at it from a more positive side, do you simply want to take the opportunity to look at what you're doing and whether you could be doing it differently? Okay, I'm leaving you with those questions. You can feel free to rewind and listen to them again. Those are questions that take a lot of thought. I'm just posing the questions. You need to do with them whatever you need to do. Again, I'm empty nesting, but these are actually questions I've asked myself periodically throughout my life, even when my kids were little and demanded a tremendous amount of my time, and I was working jobs that took 60 hours a week, and my husband was traveling 25 weeks a year. I mean, we've had really hectic, chaotic times in our lives, and especially then, I I would say even more so then, I had to spend a lot of time assessing where I was spending my time and energy And whether that was the best and the healthiest thing, not only for me, but for my family. So these are things, you know, I'm coming into a time with a little bit of luxury of time that I know I've not always had in my life. And a lot of you listening to this won't feel like you have in your life. But I'd still say the questions are still appropriate. The assessment is still appropriate. So here, I'm going to give you again, some questions to assess how you're spending your time and your energy, no matter where you are in your life. Take a, take a few minutes. Actually, it's going to take more than a few minutes, but let me plant the seeds and start pondering these, okay? Same questions pretty much as with a fabric stash. First, are you doing more ought to's or should do's rather than want to's or need to's? Okay, there are plenty of things we have to do in our lives, whether or not we want to do them. I understand that. You know, I don't always want to get up and go to work in the morning and I don't always want to drive my daughter somewhere or sit in a doctor's waiting office. But I have to. I mean, those are things I just have to need to do. But there are plenty of things that I'm doing because I feel I should that maybe I don't actually really have to be. And this summer I thought through that really carefully and I did actually resign from one volunteer position so that I could spend more time in a different volunteer position that felt more like where I really needed to be right now. So you do need to assess these things. Reorder your priorities of time. Are you doing more ought to's and should do's rather than want to's or need to's? Second question, are you hanging on to things from a long time ago that no longer need to be part of your life? Okay, again, like fabric, that's been on our shelves for 10 years and we don't want to get rid of it because we spent good money on it back then. Or clothes in our closet that we're hoping we'll get back into if we can just lose that last 10 pounds. But, you know, by the way, they'll be out of style by the time you get there. (laughs) And shouldn't you reward your hard work with new clothes anyway? You know, we often have things in our lives that we hang on to well beyond their expiration date. And I mean not only physical objects. I mean habits, attitudes. There are things we need to look at. Are there things in our lives from a long time ago that no longer need to be part of our lives? And then three, what would you like to be doing with your time and how can you make space for yourself to do it? Is there something you used to do that you'd like to get back to doing? Is there something new that you'd like to do? How can you make that work? You know, usually, usually, it's not a matter of not having enough time. It's a matter of what you're doing with the time you have. And I say that knowing that there are times when it just feels like I don't have enough time. I get that. But generally speaking, if I look at the overall ebb and flow of my, not if I don't look at each individual day, but if I look at overall the ebb and flow of my time over a month, I have enough time. It's just a matter of where am I spending time that I don't need to be? And how can I prioritize? How can I regain some other time? You know, again, this is where I've been spending a lot of time pondering this summer is what do I want to be doing with my time? How can I make space for myself to do that? Even when the kids were little, like I said, I've been through times in my life where it was tearing my hair out, feeling like I was just trying to survive each day to get to the next. I would periodically stop and assess where do I want to be spending my time? You know, so I learned to live with a less than sparkling clean house so that I could spend more time hanging out with my kids. I had, you know, only a couple hours a day that I could spend on household things. I had to be very conscientious about where I was spending it and making sure it met my priorities as a mother. You may have other pulls on your time. You may have other circumstances, other rhythms to your day that you need to take into consideration. But you need to at least think about it. You know, you've got to at least assess your decision may be ultimately i can't do anything about it now and that's okay but at least you've thought about it <laughs> and that's that's what i'm trying to get you to do right now is just just think about it so there are a lot of other clutters that you can go through the same process you can have the same ask the same questions you know we've got emotional clutter we have relationship clutter we have spiritual clutter and of course there's physical clutter And Peter Walsh, in his book, makes a really good point that one tends to breed another. You know, if you live in a cluttered environment, it's usually a signal that you're mentally or spiritually cluttered as well. Or if you're just this kind of mental, spiritual cluttered mess, your house is going to tend to be messy, too. You know, it's just sort of one thing sort of relates to another. So this is kind of a long episode with a lot of deep thoughts, but this is where I'm at with my empty nesting. Um, Hope I haven't ticked anybody off too much. Hope I've given you some useful things to think about and to ponder, and um, hope I haven't asked any questions that, you know, that I didn't give you any answers for that now send you reeling off into some horrific space. I just, I'm all for intentional living, I guess, to put it in that kind of terms. And so, I'm just offering this up for you if you're in a place where you want to do some intentional living as well and clean out your stash. If nothing else, it gives you an excuse to play with your pretty, pretty fabric. So as always, um, and if you want to share your own, you know, stash assessing or stash busting stories, or if you want to reflect in any way on this episode, um, You know, feel free. You always leave comments on the show notes to this episode and you can email me. And if you I mean, since this is a slightly more personal episode, if you want me to not mention what you're saying on the air, let me know. You know, don't leave a comment on the show notes because anything that gets posted in that form, I assume is public because it is public. But if you email me directly with something you just want to share with me, please mention specifically, I do not want this to be shared on the air and I will make sure I don't. Again, generally speaking, I do share a lot on the air, so if you tell me I won't not to, I won't. Uh, but you can contact me. The show notes to this episode are www.quiltingfortherestofus.com, and you will find links to everything else. You will find my email address, my Twitter address, everything there. Uh, my email address is sandyquilts at sandy, sandy with a Y quilts with a z at gmail.com, and I'll give you that now just in case you are thinking about this and do want to reflect. Um, otherwise everything else you can link to and you can find links to at the quilting for the rest of us.com site um, so I've left you with a lot to think about next episode we'll just be back to fun um, thanks everybody for listening and you know until next time go get your quilty on quilting for the rest of us is dedicated to Shirley love you mom